Hi, this is Thomas with Believe in the Run. This is Robbie with Believe in the Run. And this is Megan with Believe in the Run. And you're listening to The Drop Podcast, our weekly podcast on all things running. I mean, we sometimes even talk about stuff that has nothing to do with running. Yeah, a lot of the times. But we somehow tie it in tangentially. I can chant tang- tangentially. Tangentially. Wow, not it's, dentures. Yeah, I can't say that word. But anyway, we bring it in and we talk about it and we get rolling. And this week we have a great guest for you with Dylan Bowman. He's like an ultra runner. He is very involved in the trail running world. He has a podcast called The Pillars Podcast. Yep. And he has an app, an app called The Pillars App. And we're, we'll get into all that stuff. Anyway, let's kick off the show. Let's get going. Robbie, what do we got? Today we got uh, a sweet shoe coming this weekend, the uh, it comes off embargo this weekend. The Asics Nova Blast Deuce. Yeah, it comes two. out in June to the public. Yeah, two for all you, yeah, all you English people. June twentieth. Um. Anyways, so that's an exciting. We'll, we'll talk about that in a little bit. We got some. Dude, let's talk about the weather out here. It's like eighty-five degrees today in Maryland. It Bumping. is, but like Monday, wasn't it like thirty? Yeah, it was like yeah. Yeah, but I'm the past is in the past, man. Dude, it's almost too hot already. Like I'm ready to start complaining. Yeah, that's classic runners just complaining whenever they can complain. Yeah. Yeah. It was it, like, yeah, I was hot. Dude, you could get 55 degrees in like perfect, no humidity on race day and you'll find a way to complain about it. Yeah. Or Probably. 45 degrees. You'll say you wish it was 45 degrees. <laughs> Be like, or oh, a tailwind would have been nice. <laughs> yeah. It was this slight 10 feet of uphill at the, at the yeah. finish line. Anyways. But it, how's your uh, how's your week going? How's running going? Oh, mine's in the crapper right now. I don't know if it's because I'm in peak mileage for marathon training, but uh, hitting marathon paces for my 22 mile run, mm, not really. Uh, doing my workout uh, today and trying to hit my paces, mm, not really. Ooh, not hitting any of them. That yeah. means you're gonna. That means you're just in the down dip right now, and you're gonna come back strong. Or it means I suck. So either way. You can handle that mentally one of two ways. And yeah. you took the well, you know, I'm, I'm working with my coach. He told me I'd need to get tougher. So, you know, I'm That's just like, true. I just realized I'm, I'm super soft. In many ways. Yeah, super soft. Anyway, let's get to Megan because I love it when. Thomas is, I, usually Thomas can go on and on if he's yeah. having a good week. Now he's like, let's get out of yeah, here. Yeah, let's get off of me. <laughs> I'm getting the I'm getting the mileage in. Let's put it that way. All right. Um, I wish I had positive, exciting uh, running to tell you about, but I also had just terrible workout this morning. Um, but I think that's supposed to happen, like at least once every six few months. months. Yeah. Yeah, mine's the two week span. That's it. <laughs> you have yours is the inversion of that. You have one good workout every six months. <laughs> yeah, that's it. it is. I'm like I'm going places. <laughs> I do think though, like. We were talking about the weather. It's warmer. Wasn't really prepared for that. But honestly, I don't I don't think anything would have made me have a good run this morning. I was just I was so tired. So eh. I don't know. What shoe did you run in? The what I've been running in? The Vaporfly too. Oh, you just like, you days. just use that on uh I was like a daily trainer. No. For <laughs> <laughs> my one workout a week. That's what I've been okay, using. Okay, nice. I cool. still went I still went with the A6 Meta Racer too. Well, that's going to be your race meta station. Meta Speed Sky. That's a Meta Racer, too. No, that's it. It's a Meta Speed Sky. That's how fried my brain is today uh, after yeah. that run. It was 12 miles, and I had mile repeats, and 
I, I know because I went to the loop in Patterson Park and I saw Megan there and uh, I tried to give her a signal with my eyes that I was dying inside and crying and would have just Did leaned you up pick against up on the tree. That? Did you pick up on the signal? I was in my own. Uh, <laughs> you didn't even see it. it was, yeah. No, when she went by, she looked horrible. I looked horrible. It was like the saddest. It would have been a nice French film if like a mime popped out from behind the tree and was like, oh, oh. So you're saying I need to dress as a mime. Yes. Next time you guys have workout, if we're gonna make a movie, yeah. well, I do that every uh, Wednesday morning, anyways. So. You know, mimes are scary. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there's fine. anything that doesn't speak is. Uh, I think clowns. animals, clowns, yeah. mimes. So, Robbie, tell us that you've had an amazing week of running. Uh, not bad. I wouldn't say amazing. Um, like I did back to back days yesterday, and yeah, Robbie Monday. and I even went for a little run yesterday. Oh, did we? Kind of, yeah. Wait till you see it. Doing some, it looks pretty oh, cool. I'm excited. Um, but th- like, I had some friends come into town on over the weekend. Friends or a friend? And they're non-running friends, so okay. my friends. Two friends came in, and but we played disc golf, which is like the exact opposite of running, but it's exercise. It combines the athleticism of real golf and frisbee. Yeah. <laughs> It's it can be tiring, especially if you drink a lot of beer. <laughs> I mean, that's what I was gonna say. You get tired chasing that disc when you've had a lot of beers. Yeah, um, it, but it was it was a lot of fun. I'm not gonna lie, and I had a good time. Got some deep squalies. Oh, you know that they're moving. They are, but for anyway. people outside of town, you don't know. But this is our best Italian delicatessen style. Uh, I mean, everything is like a little mini market. If you're in Baltimore, stop at Deep Esquales. It's the best. Yeah. Anyways, also had Royal Farms like one thirty in the morning, fried chicken. That was a terrible idea. So did wait. not run the day after that. So wait, did you go to the Wawa or not the Wawa, the uh, Royal Farms Buyer House? Mm-hmm. So you could have gone potentially to the Wawa. Are, are you a Wawa or a Royal Farms guy? Uh, if it's late at night, Royal Farms, Wawa, any other like normal time. And sheets, if you're like, now this is like back in college and stuff when you're like hammered in the morning, like in the middle of the night. Sheets is the best. We we always we stop love, at Sheets yeah. when we do drive down south. Yeah, road trips. Sheets is the stop. It's a pretty solid, pretty solid. Place you can get for sure. anything there. You could be like, I would like, like anything. Their like, sandwiches are amazing. Yeah, the MTOs are very good, but I I do think like their selection is more towards the yeah. drunk person. Where Wawa's like a little cleaner, a little. Yeah, we're definitely off the uh, running oh, this topic. This is nutrition. Now. We're yeah, talking it nutrition. I, it, hey, you know what's great about that? That if you were going to listen to a show about nutrition, <laughs> we have one coming for you called uh, Fuel for the Soul. S-O-L-E. Yeah, with Megan Featherston and Megan. We're going to have to call Megan Meg so that yep. we know who we're talking to. But yeah, check that out. So that's coming next week? Yep, first podcast will be recorded okay. next Sweet. week. So throw in a little pitch for that. Anyways, I guess we can get on to some more running stuff since that's enough about us. Um, Shoe-wise, let's talk about this. Let's talk about it. A6 Nova Blast 2. So here's the thing. You guys didn't love the original Nova Blast like I did. Uh, Truth. It it was one of those shoes. There's two shoes that did this for me. The Invincible from Nike and the no, the original Nova Blast. The mm-hmm. step and feel was like, mm-hmm. wow, this is going to be an amazing shoe. So I can't true. wait. And you jog like 10 feet, and you're like, yeah, this is great. I remember the day that we got the Nova Blast at the office. We all grabbed them. We all went for a run after work. It, it was... It yeah, was, with Jared. We rarely go for a nighttime run. We went for a nighttime run, and 
I just remember being like, oh, this shoe does not work for me at all. It was like the first block out of the house. We were stoked. Yeah. And, or like the downhill. Yeah. And then like after that, I don't know. But uh, was it, I have noticed that I think it's just like our idea of what's at least mine of what I like in a shoe is basically the opposite of Megan. 100%. <laughs> we are yin and yang. You are very much like the high stack, softer I'm somewhere in between you guys. Yeah. Well, I definitely like a more firmer ride. You like feeling the ground. I do. It's my nightmare. But I don't like it. Like, I don't like a hard midsole. Like, see, that's the problem. But I like a ground feel. I think I'm having a problem articulating the difference between a shoe that gives you ground feel and a shoe that has a slab that is firm and harsh underfoot. Yeah. Because there's there's definitely a difference. Like the Vanish Horizon from Skechers, that shoe, you feel the ground and you feel like, there just is something hard between you and the ground. Same how I feel about some on shoes. Oh, yeah. Like the on, forget the cloud, whatever. Yeah. Um, but then you have like the Razor. The Razor's great. Which is a great shoe, and you, but it's still like you feel the ground. But do you like or, the Razor, Meg? You like the Razor. I do like the Razor. Yeah. Mm. See, I think, I don't know that you guys like the opposite. I think that you just like a lower stack. Yeah. That's well, so back to the... The A6 Nova Blast 2, I still really like this shoe. Do you guys like it? No, I love it. I like it. But yeah. don't love it. Yeah, I mean, I could maybe, I don't know. I, I think if I wore it for maybe like a, a lot more miles, many more miles, I would, in I, I could see myself like getting into it. For me, the reason why it's a good shoe now, well, first off, we can go into the update and what makes it different. But the original one was a little loose in the heel and a little unstable for me. And then the arch was a little bit exaggerated and that's where I land. So you had an unstable heel and then like a gap where I land and it just didn't work for me. I liked the upper on it. I thought the upper was good. Um, you know, they changed that up a little bit, but the main update to this shoe is they added a little more stability in the back of the heel. They added some, like a little bit of TPU on each side of the heel cup to kind of, Make mm-hmm. it a little more rigid. Gusseted tongue. Mm-hmm. Gusseted tongue. They um There's actually like a pretty good amount of updates. It say, is, it's but new, it's all it's a totally new upper. It's all little tweaks. It's like you wouldn't notice it. Like you don't look at the shoe and go, This right. is a mm-hmm. this is what like a lot of times when you have those shoes that are like they just do an upper exchange or something like that. What I like about this, they looked at the whole shoe. They fixed the things that people were complaining about. They lowered the drop. So now it's a uh, eight millimeters, eight millimeter drop, but it got more cushioning under the forefoot. So that's where I think both Megan and I agree. We like cushion underneath the pad of of the foot, just because that's where I seem to get the most fatigue when I'm running. And it feels, we talked about this in the video review. It feels more like, uh, like when you have the Pegasus 38 and you have that air zoom unit. Yeah feel it's like you get a pop off the toe if you're trying to pick it up it does and i think that's from that little island of foam and rubber like central under the under the foot it achieves that zoom air feeling and what what i really like about the shoe is i this is one of those shoes i think you can get tons of miles out of it's going to protect your feet and be cushioned and nice and i i megan tell me i mean if you were somebody who wanted to pick up the paces or something what do you think yeah, it's funny because when we were reviewing the Saucony Axon, or however you say that shoe, mm-hmm. um, I kind of didn't know what to use this shoe for. Like, it just didn't have a good place in my rotation. With the Nova Blast 2, I'm like, I want to use this all the time. Like, I 
love it for recovery days because it's like soft and cushioned enough for that. But I also like it for picking up the pace. Like I took it out for one of our uh, long runs, which was just easy paces. But when you're running with the group of faster bastards, you tend to run a little faster. And the shoe felt great picking up the pace, like even sub sevens, which is faster for me. And yeah, it just it felt great. When I mean, you like, say you, faster for you, faster for you for an easy run. I mean, you're running in the sixes for your races. Sure. Yeah. yeah. Do you like it the same as the last version or like like do you like it better? I, I think the updates are great. Oh, like nice. I, I think it's more stable and I think the upper just fits better. I The gusted ton tongue or the laces i'm not sure but it just it feels more locked down around your foot that's what i found which is awesome because one it works now for us robbie but for the people who like the shoe i think they're going to like it more and i think that's really hard to achieve on a shoe that was as popular as the um, nova blast was last year like when we talk to some people if they like the nova blast they really like the nova blast yeah and oh the, yeah, and, and then there was people who it just didn't work for, which we fell in that category. So now that we're in the, hey, we can run in this shoe. Yeah, I think it's going to be a hit for them. Yeah. And, you know, it's funny. I'm trying to put together in my head what my top daily trainers are. And this is definitely in my mix of what I'll be kind of picking. I, it's almost like this year, instead of picking one, I'd like to pick like a top three. Yeah. And because uh, I think there's some that are so close. And the one Brooks that were. Uh, testing right now i'm kind of like is this one fall into that range i, I actually haven't done like a legit run in it. i'm gonna it's t- today or tomorrow yeah i'm excited meg's nodding her head <laughs> it's gonna be wild adamantly yeah so that's exciting but anyways yeah i hope that i think this shoe's gonna be a big hit for them especially just as a daily trainer and it's 130 dollars and it comes out june 20th. 20th yeah it's slightly lower stack for the women's but it's still in um, still plenty of cushioning. And... Yeah, but it's still the same uh, drop. Okay, it's still eight millimeter drop. Wasn't it twelve for the women last year? I, no, I think it was ten across the board in this one. I, the oh, other the ones, other ones. Were, okay. were were different. But yeah, check that out. We'll have the video out review. That we'll have the video. Out. We'll have <laughs> the video out, out tomorrow on, on Saturday. Cool. Um, yeah, we can't launch it until the first, but um, we'll check that out. We also took some fun pictures. That we'll put on the gram. You can check it out. And they always do cool color. I should check. Man, I wish I could show uh, my shoe after we did like the smoke bombs. <laughs> yeah, that was the best colorway. We were using a blue smoke bomb and it colored my shoe, like the whole white. The out, midsole. Midsole, like blue. And it looks awesome. <laughs> you should take a picture and send it to, to oh, our well. friends at A6. Yeah. All right. First check in. Hope you're enjoying your run. And we're going to talk this week about confidence. Obviously, if you're listening to where we are, you know that maybe our confidence is lacking in the way that we're going through our training right now, but it's actually not. It's one of those things that we know we got to trust the training. And even if we have a bad run or a bad couple of runs in our training, we got to keep the faith that the things that we're doing are going to pay off because we're being consistent. We're doing a special event this week and we're helping out ASICs and partnering with them to do the Gene Mile, which is based on Blue Gene Mile. Yeah, the Blue Gene Mile. Not like Gene Therapy. You know, I don't care if people wear black jeans though. Um, But it's basically we're going to run a mile to um, raise awareness for mental health. Meg, why don't you tell them about this? 
Yeah, it's just ASICs every year um, hosts a one-mile run. You put on a pair of blue jeans, you run as fast as you can, and it's just to support Mental Health Awareness Month. What and did ASICs athlete Johnny Gregoric has the world record for? I think it's four minutes and six seconds. That's fast. Yeah, it is. I mean, he did it in 501s. Yeah, so, we're not talking spandex jeans here, people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They have to be 75% cotton. Yeah. So um, we all got new pairs of Levi's for the event we're doing on Sunday. And mine are 99% cotton. Yes. And they're slightly too big. And I don't know if I should wash them and try to shrink them or keep them loose I think you're, and run. Are you going in the 90s vibe? It's, yeah. it's like a bananarama. Like <laughs> they're high-waisted. Cruel summer. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> But I, so I don't know. What do you think? Do I try and shrink them or do I go, I, I, go with it? Big, I, I know. Even if they I, might fall off. I'd wash them and throw in that dryer sheet with the soften them up a little bit and then sit around in them for a while. <laughs> yeah. Like get them, get them like worked in. Okay. But yeah, I'm looking forward to it. We're going to get the faster bastards together. We're going to be running at one thirty at um, a local track here. Uh, we're going to have other ways that you can sign up and participate across the country. So we'll fill you in the details. We'll do some posts on Instagram, but there's a link. You'll go to race roster. You'll sign up for the event. It's free. I do think that you'll have the opportunity to donate if you want. I know that ASICS is donating $40,600 uh, for his four, four minute and six second record-breaking run. So it should be great. It should be fun. What I think is interesting about it, this the beer mile, you go home and you pretty much got to keep partying for the rest of the day. Yeah. Uh, this or just is, throw up immediately after and then yeah, take a nap. This one's nice. You can do a G mile. It's still suffering and uh, have some fun with your friends. Yeah, it's going to be warm at one thirty on Sunday. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Not as bad as today, though. No. Right? The no. 70s, mid 70s. Okay, yeah, that's warm. I can handle that. And you're just, I mean, it's a mile. You're, yeah. And take, have shorts on underneath. I'm Robbie, probably, are you going all out? Like, uh, effort? I don't think. I think I might take Rye, maybe. Okay. So that's maybe a good I'll idea. go with him. Does he have jeans to wear? Yeah. All right. That's all I call. Yes. Yeah. I'm not gonna. <laughs> I'm not gonna let him on the on the track. <laughs> yeah. No, I'd force him to wear jeans. I'm thinking. Sure. I thought you were gonna say you're not gonna let him beat. He you. usually <laughs> runs in jeans. Do you know what my strategy is? <laughs> That'd be awesome if he beats Thomas. <laughs> he, he might. No. Um. The the my strategy is gonna be to wear like the Reggie half tight underneath mm. underneath the jeans to help with the chafing. I'm gonna wear that uh, A6 singlet. And um, it's a nice singlet, yeah, perfect. I also really like that singlet it's, you guys got, yeah, from ASICS. Did you get the same one? No, it's, I mean, it's similar, but oh, it's women's. different, different color. Um, okay. but yeah, the ASICS gear in general has been pretty awesome, yeah, I'd agree. I, I think it's difficult to figure out uh, how to buy it and what's available, yeah, their website, but, yeah, is questionable. Sorry, yeah. ASICS, whatever. It's true. I, I heard from a little friend. Uh, I was going to say little bird. He's not a little friend. He's a regular size friend. But um, I heard that they're going to be doing collections to match like different shoes. Like, oh, cool. so you'll get the Nova Blast collection. You'll get the Kayano collection. That with like stuff. clothing to match. Okay. Yeah. Look, the only thing I want is a freaking Kill Bill collection. Can we do that? We like, keep trying. In one of the racing shoes, please. Yeah. Oh, anyways. All right. Well, yeah, get your jeans on. It's going to be the entire month of May. So you don't have to do it the exact same day as us. You don't have to participate with us on Sunday, but we'd love to see your times up and definitely hashtag or tag us on Instagram with the blue jean mile or believe in the run.
Today we are chatting with Dylan Bowman. Dylan, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for having me, guys. It's a pleasure. So, Dylan, you kind of are, you're in the trail running world, I would say, and you're up in Portland, Oregon, and it wasn't like you were one of those guys that went to college for running, went to high school for running, and then was like, you know what, I'm hitting the trails and I'm going to hit them hard. This kind of, you had a weird entry into uh, ultra distances and, and outdoor running in general. Can you kind of give us some background? Sure. Yeah. So I have very much a non-traditional background to the sport, particularly when you compare me against the other men and women who uh, sort of occupy the quote unquote professional tier in trail and ultra running. I grew up in Boulder, Colorado, which is, of course, an outdoor and mountain sport mecca. Uh, I was always an outdoorsy person. I grew up skiing uh, very aggressively, I would say, still do still love, uh, you know, mountain life, mountain culture. But as a kid, I grew up a team sport athlete. And for as long as I can remember, I always have been just totally obsessed with sports. I always wanted to be a pro athlete when I grew up, but I always pictured that being in football or basketball <laughs> or most notably lacrosse. I, I sort of found my niche or found the second. most success lacrosse in boulder see i played lacrosse but that was like yeah. east coast and i had to come to the east coast to play it like they didn't have it in california yeah. when i was there so this is the advent of the explosion of lacrosse across the western united states when i was in eighth grade into high school so i started playing in eighth grade and at that point you're right it was very new to colorado now colorado is actually kind of a hotbed of high school talent that gets recruited to some of the best universities in the country, but, and also the university of Denver has a phenomenal division one program. They've actually won the national championship fairly recently, but we're getting off on a, <laughs> a little bit. Off. I was so, just going to yeah, go into yeah. the uh, you lag tell, splash. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You can tell like, uh, I'm a sports guy. I just love sports and have always, uh, sort of followed it and always found motivation in competition and, more than being a fan of sports, I've always been a fan of athletes. And uh, when I was done playing lacrosse after my college career, this is before you could really make a go of playing professionally. And, you know, to be honest, I probably wasn't good enough to do that anyway. But it was the first time in my life that I didn't have a competitive outlet to sort of channel my energies into. And I was living in Aspen, Colorado at the time, and uh, very much a mountain person still, outdoorsy person, and just started running to stay stay fit, stay in shape. And then of course, shortly thereafter, I sort of learned about the Leadville 100 and uh, the rest is history. How did you end up though going from Colorado, which is where every ultra runner ends up migrating to, to, to Oregon? Like what, what was that? Yeah. Well, I mean, you'd be surprised that Oregon is a much better trail running destination than Colorado is at least from a year round perspective. So I still very much consider myself a Colorado boy, but when you live in a place like Aspen or even a place like Boulder, you can only really run trails maybe six months out of the year. In a place like Aspen, it's really more like four months out of the year. And uh, so even though it's a phenomenal high altitude mountain playground and you can't beat the summer months in Colorado, it's actually fairly uh, difficult to, to train for a lot of the year. I lived in the Bay Area for five or six years. We lived in Marin County, which is absolutely 
the best year-round trail running <laughs> in the world. I'm con- I'm convinced. Megan has and, uh, still has trauma from we did the 50 miler with North Face, and yeah. um, we trained at sea level and also well, it's not that much higher than sea level there, but we just we yeah. trained in the in a flat city. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a tough race. I've done that one five times myself, wow. and it yeah. uh, unfortunately no longer exists. But that was one of the best best races on the north american circuit for sure but it was definitely a challenging one yeah a little too challenging for us <laughs> when when you were talking about just getting started and going out in the trails and running as sort of a a new outlet for you since you didn't have that competition were you just going out on your own or was it like a social time and you were going out with friends or how did you get into that totally on my own yeah to start it's so funny to look back on because I was still very much kind of in college mode in those years, you know, living in Aspen, of course, sort of the partying culture is tied to the DNA of, of town. You know, it's a place where people go on vacation and they very much want to be out and about and social. And uh, even the local community kind of falls into that trap, too. And I was in my early 20s, so I was uh, very much uh, still a kid at heart. And uh, most of my friends were you know, in the service industry, in the hospitality industry. And uh, so I could go sit at bars uh, quite frequently. And so I was probably the the only person that I hung out with that did any running uh, to begin with. And certainly the only person that was sort of uh, enjoying running up and down mountains. Um, But yeah, it's a a fun, fun time in my life to look back on. And uh, yeah, now understanding the importance of like having a training community and being connected with training partners, it's funny to to recollect those humble beginnings just being out there solo in my early 20s. Yeah, well, you brought up Leadville, and for our audience who doesn't know you as well, you kind of, kind of, yeah, double kind of, um, you shot into the scene basically from being kind of an unknown to taking third place at Leadville, which... For those of you listening who don't know, Leadville is a 100-mile race that is at pretty high elevation. It goes out and back, and I I think Hope Pass, we ran that during Trans Rockies, and it is, I thought, when I was running over it, it was like, wow, this is treacherous, and I've had sleep, and I'm going up it, and I know what I'm doing. I'm not doing it twice uh, in one day, up and over. (laughs) I, yeah. I, I was like, wow, I don't like trying to fathom doing the Leadville 100 is kind of insane. And to do it out of the gate and come in third place, what were you thinking? It was obviously a big surprise to me. Growing up an athlete my entire life, obviously, I came to the sport with a fair amount of uh, athleticism and a fair amount of uh, fitness, I guess. Uh, but definitely outperformed my experience level and, um, yeah, my, my overall fitness level. And I think it was just because I was completely obsessed with this idea. You know, I was completely consumed with the culture of the sport and with just the uh, sheer magnitude of what it took to, to get through something like that. And so uh, when you approach something with that type of an attitude of just like, total excitement. Uh, I was, I was really without fear, honestly. And I approached the start line with just a deep confidence that I was going to make it to the finish line, no matter what, like there was just absolutely nothing that was going to stop me. Of course, I, I didn't, I didn't anticipate, like I didn't have really competitive goals. It was just like, go out there and finish. But 
having a, a decent amount of, I guess, like natural talent and a lifelong uh, experience of competing and being an athlete, I think just set me up for success. But yeah, definitely. I had a, a big crew of friends and family there. Many of the guys who I played lacrosse with in college, uh, my parents, my brother, and I think everybody was shocked uh, when uh, I eventually ran my way onto the podium that yeah. first year, especially me. It's one thing like you can usually like with a half marathon or even a marathon, marathon, you start getting into it a little bit. But for, for shorter distance racing, what people don't know is like you can gut some things out, like you can make mistakes. You could not you could miss a nutrition or you could not drink water at all the stations and you're, you're not going to destroy yourself. It, the thing that is impressive to me about it coming out first time for like Leadville and being competitive is that there's so many pitfalls that you can have along the way that have nothing to do with being an athlete, have nothing to do with being, um, it, it has to do with experience, knowing when to fuel your body, when knowing when to take that rest, when, when to do this stuff. That's what's a, to me is impressive. Like to come out and have that not be factors in, in your hundred miler was insane. Yeah. Again, I think it just, speaks to the advantage of being excited and when you do have that energy and enthusiasm not only are you more prone to race well but you're also more prone to handle adversity as it arrives as it always does in 100 mile racing and so when you hit a low point it wasn't a despair of can i actually make it to the finish line it was like this is what i'm here for this is absolutely amazing this is going to changed my life and uh and and that's kind of the attitude that i approached it with and uh, looking back on it i honestly think that my lack of experience was an advantage which i know is somewhat counterintuitive uh, but i think for people who are coming to the sport of trail and ultra running it, it's it's not an unusual thing um where you when you when you have that level of ignorance i guess um, you're a little bit more cautious. You're then therefore probably make smarter decisions <laughs> and then you're much more able to navigate the low points as they arise. Yeah. So you're saying you didn't sprint off the line when, <laughs> when, when the, when the gun nope. went off. All right. So nope. you, it's obviously become a passion for you and it's become something that you've sort of wrapped your life around besides the, your podcast and you have the pillars app. And you're doing other things to help runners get into the sport. And obviously are a huge, uh, what do you call it when someone is like supporter of, of something? I'm advocate. Advocate for the sport. There we go. <laughs> huge advocate for the sport, cheerleader for the sport yeah. and bringing people yeah. in. Um, what are you working on now that you'd like to talk about that are, that is to help newbies and, you know, people who have experience get the most out of the sport? Yeah, yeah. Well, stop me if I go on too long because this is something <laughs> I am very passionate about and, and something that I put a lot of thought and energy into. So my I've come to the realization that my mission in life at this point is to really help shepherd our sport into the next generation in whatever way I can. I had the good fortune of coming into the sport right as it sort of launched on this upward trajectory in terms of growth and professionalization. And it's provided an amazing amount of opportunity for people like me and the sport itself changes people's lives in a way that's difficult to describe if you haven't really been part of it. But it's something that I think is incredibly valuable and something that has 
yeah, just touched me deeply and changed me profoundly. And what I want to do is try and help bring that to as many people as I can. So as we've alluded to here, you know, I have my own podcast too and do my best there to sort of preach the gospel of trail and ultra running and, uh, you know, try and make it as approachable as possible. And I know that for some people, when you think about running 50K, 50 miles, 100 miles, it can seem quite intimidating. And what I'd like to try and do is make it a little bit more inviting, a little bit more approachable, a little less scary. And so obviously, you know, the podcast, we do that um, with, uh, we, we sort of like have started a YouTube channel recently, which we're, uh, we're also sort of trying to do the same thing. And then you mentioned that the app that we've recently created, which to my knowledge is sort of the first and only kind of trail and ultra specific training app. And what we're trying to do is, yeah, just give people as much information and inspiration as they could possibly need to make their transition into the sport as fluid and easy as possible and reduce that um, sort of uh, intimidation factor and, and just make the, the ease of entry a little bit a little bit easier. So we've got training plans, we've got uh, strength and movement stuff, we've got yoga, breath work, meditation, you know, sort of paying attention to the physical health and emotional health part of things. And then trying to cultivate community and giving people other uh, people in the community who they can bounce ideas off of, who they can ask questions of. Sometimes, like this weekend, a few of our community members are running a 100-kilometer race in Northern California. And so they can sort of like talk to each other about the race that they're preparing for. And so that's, uh, that's yeah, really what I'm, I'm trying to do now. And as I age as an athlete, um, obviously, I still want to race and compete at a high level for as long as I can. But my motivation has definitely changed in some way. It's not no longer just about like, let's train as hard as we can and push uh, as deep as we can and hopefully win as many races as we can. It's really about trying to push the sport into the next generation while being true to the spirit and the culture of the sport that makes it so special. What's interesting about the, when you talk about the sport and building it up and kind of taking it to the next evolution of, of trail running. Uh, you know, it's, it's not, it's trail runners run road, road runners run on trails, but really for the majority of our heroes in running, you know, we have, you have your Kipchoge's, you have your Emma Coburn's, you have your NAZ elite, you have these very well publicized, not, not as well as like, say, you know, the NFL or, or NBA, but for our sport, it's growing in popularity. We're seeing track on TV. We're seeing road marathons on TV. I know that you're going to be doing something with Western States. Um, where do you, where do you feel like trail is in the popularity of a spectator sport and people being able to actually have access to what's going on, uh, in these races when you're not physically there? Another question that I hope I don't go on too much about because it's something that I, I feel very strongly about. Uh, going back to your first question and my first answer, I've always been a huge, huge fan of sports and I've always been a heavy consumer of sport media. You know, I watched Sports Center growing up, you know, hours and hours every day. And with the advent of new media, social media, it's just made things easier and easier. And I think trail and ultra running has lagged behind the rest 
of the world in terms of uh, race coverage and, and race day experience of the fan. So even like in the Tour de France, you can kind of watch every day's action going down. And then if you don't have five hours to sort of sit in front of the, the computer, you can watch a 20 minute highlight of the day. And um, that I think has been slow to manifest in our sport and certainly something that I also feel really strongly about um, bringing into the sport and as part of this idea of moving it into the next generation. And uh, as you alluded to, uh, I'll be, I have the good fortune of being able to um, help with the, the live coverage at Western States this year, which is the first time that they've done it. Western States is no question the most important race in North America. Uh, takes place in June every year in California. And just, I think the important thing to stress as it relates to live race day coverage is just what I mentioned before and that the sport really does just change people's lives, you know, and I want to bring that message. I want to bring these visuals and these stories to the general public because I think the, yeah, there's no sport like it. You know, it's, it takes place in beautiful places. There's heated competition, but at the same time, you any person can do it. It's totally manageable for people who have the ambition to do it. No matter what your experience level, no matter what your competitive aspirations are, you can do it. And what I think differentiates it is just the spirit of love and camaraderie that competitors have. And just to sort of give a personal example, I have you know, the good fortune of being able to race professionally for the last 10, 12 years. And some of the guys who I race against are my closest friends. You know, I know their, their families, I know their wives, I know their kids. And even though we try and kick each other's asses on race day, we can always have that big sweaty hug at the end, that positive sum mentality where what's good for you is not necessarily bad for me. And that I think is unique in sports and that type of a culture is what the world needs. And so, again, this is, uh, this is something that I'm passionate about is on race day, being able to show the general public what these athletes are doing and hopefully motivate people to, to push themselves um, as they are able to, to consume that content. The thing that seems like a no-brainer to me as far as coverage for this stuff is, uh, I don't know, it was like five years ago I watched Iron Man and they were – telling the stories of the athletes as you watched it. So you, you got to understand it. And there's not really like, if someone's playing basketball, it's, you're not going to sit there. There's enough action is fast moving that you're not going to find out about LeBron James childhood dreams when, when they're going up. But when you take it in the context and you see someone struggling and you see them fighting through pain in a hundred mile race or a 50 mile race, and you know what it takes to just go into the depths of that. And you could tell the story from the start to the finish. I, I think that there's just a whole bunch of meat on that bone. I don't, I don't, I mean, but I'm a fan of the sport. Totally. So. Yeah. Yeah. Well, just, just to add to that, I'm one of those weird people who every October I watch the Ironman world championship for eight hours or whatever <laughs> it is. Uh, and, uh, you know, I recognize that I'm sort of the exception rather than the rule, but you're right. I mean, you have the marriage of the coverage of the professional athletes and seeing how impressive these people are who are able to do the Ironman distance better than any other people in the world. But what Ironman also does is make 
the human interest stories a core part of their coverage as well, which makes it much more relatable than just seeing Jan Frodeno or whoever um, the best professionals are. Um, and I think that is a really valuable thing. And it helps the casual observer think, huh, well, well, maybe I can do that. And then all of a sudden you've got a goal. And when you have a goal, then you uh, you start start orienting your life towards it and good things happen. When you're saying you're going to be doing live coverage of Leadville, what does that mean? So it's actually of Western States. Oh, sorry, Western States. He, he, yeah. Third place, Leadville. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, no, it's, it's totally, uh, yeah, it's an understandable uh, sort of confusion, but just to be precise, yeah, I'll be doing – uh, anchoring kind of the, the live race day feed with another athlete. Her name is Corinne Malcolm. Uh, she lives in the Bay Area, also an avid fan of the sport like myself. And uh, she and I are going to be able to do our best to do what I've sort of been talking about and um, provide the audience with uh, some commentary, some analysis of what's happening in the race help people to understand uh, what's going on, the challenges that the athletes might be going through. Uh, she and I have both done the race uh, multiple times ourselves, so we know the specific points of the course that are challenging or uh, sort of the crux moments that you kind of have to get through um, during the course of the event. And uh, we're still ironing out the details. I didn't anticipate we'd be talking about uh, this. Sorry so about I, don't, that. I, I, might... I don't know how much I... I, I don't know. Yeah, I don't think it's a, it's a, a big secret, but um, it, it's the first time that it's going to be happening for the Western States 100. And just personally, it's an enormous honor. You know, like I have, you can tell that I'm passionate about this and I just can't freaking wait to do it. And um, I hope that it provides value to the viewers and enhances the experience of the fans. Where, where are people going to be able to tune it? Like, how are you, how are we going to participate? It's a good question. It'll probably be, uh, and again, these are all sort of details that we're, we're ironing out now. And I'm just sort of like, uh, you know, I'm not leading the thing. I'm sort of uh, it being enlisted to, to assist. And so, um, yeah, my, my guess is it's just going to be on the Western States YouTube channel as kind of a, a live stream. Um, cool. But yeah, uh, as that information sort of becomes public i'll be sharing it on my social media so if people want to follow me or the western states 100 um they'll be able to find out very easily where they can tune in all right second check-in let's talk about confidence again how are you feeling right now how's your body language how's how's your stride going are you confident in what you're doing do you feel relaxed can you pick up the pace if you wanted to can you slow it down and be cool about it if you want to just make sure that you're doing the things you need to do to make this run enjoyable. So we know you've run Marin. We know you've run Western States, Leadville. Uh, what is your favorite race experience so far from and distance? What would you say is the one that you have the best fond memories of? So I've, again, had the good fortune to do probably about 60 ultra marathons at this point. I feel like a grizzled veteran, even though I still, you know, feel like, uh, I'm just getting started. But, uh, the first is sort of moment that pops into my mind in the race that I probably look back on as the best in my 
professional career was the 2018 Ultra Trail Mount Fuji in Japan. Wow. So this is, you know, probably the most important race in Asia. It's a hundred mile race uh, around Mount Fuji, similar to the Ultra Trail Mont Blanc. This just being the Ultra Trail Mount Fuji. Um, and yeah, I had uh, a great race. I was running in second place basically the entire day. And uh, I was running behind a friend and teammate of mine, a Spaniard named Pau Capel, who has since gone on to be the, you know, multiple time world champion, UTMB champion, and one of the true like stars in the sport. And he uh, had gone out to uh, quite a large and comfortable lead ahead <laughs> of me. And I was running in second place for the whole, the whole race for the most part. And at one point he had a 27 minute lead on me at about a hundred kilometers into the race. So with about 40 miles to go, he had nearly a half hour wow. lead. And, um, again, I, I just felt amazing. I felt like I was making all the right decisions and felt like I was racing within myself and slowly started to make up time on him. And, uh, long story short, uh, I left the last aid station. Uh, he was about 10 minutes ahead of me with about eight miles to go and we had one more climb yeah we had we had one more climb between the last aid station and the finish and i managed to catch him right at the top of the last climb with about 5k to go in the race and so uh was luckily able to just sort of execute a perfect comeback victory i uh won by i think two minutes it was one of the closest long course ultra marathon races in history at least that i was I gonna know say of. it comes down 100 miles come down to <laughs> a 5k <laughs> yeah yeah and and just like to sort of circle back to something i said earlier you know it was a dramatic thing and, and pal had well, he was running in the lead for 19 hours of a race that took like 19 hours and 20 minutes right and it was i'm sure heartbreaking for him but um at the finish line excuse me at the finish line we shared a huge hug a big sweaty acknowledgement of what the other person had been through he and i remain close friends he's gone on to amazing things so he's i my my hope excuse me my hope is that you know that experience helped launch him into the next level and um yeah just looking back from my perspective it's just an amazingly special memory of and a, and a validation of just the idea of not giving up on yourself and trusting that, um, you know, you're, you're to stick to your plan and, and just keep, keep fighting and, and good things happen. And, uh, so that was one of the highlights of my career. So, so just out of curiosity, when you knew that he had a 27 minute lead, obviously you hadn't resigned yourself to loss. You're like, I'm just going to stick to what I came out here to do. But it was there a point where when you saw, him pulling away early on that you were like, I need to break my plan and stay with him. Or was it just your patience that won this? A hundred percent. I mean, I, the whole race, I felt good. Um, there was a very low drama race and that doesn't happen very often. <laughs> and because I was feeling good, I was questioning, you know, should I be running faster? And as his, lead continued to grow through that 100 kilometer checkpoint it i continued to be surprised like wow how is his lead growing i feel like i'm running really well 
Like he's either going to run the greatest race in history or he's going to pay the piper eventually. And so I had that decision of like, should I be pushing or should I just trust that my instinct right now is a good one? And luckily I, I trusted that instinct. And, uh, and then at the end, luckily I just had the will to, to fight. And I think that's kind of something that is contrary to my natural personality and that I think it would be more in my nature to be okay, be content with a solid second place finish, still a respectable result. But um, instead I, I made the, the decision to, to fight to the end, even though it really hurt. And uh, I think it was, yeah, it's a pivotal learning experience in my career to just, you know, never give up on yourself and always fight. Yeah, I think that we get caught off by other competitors sometimes in running and they can get in your head and get you out of your game. And this, it, you know, that's the thing about a race. I mean, if you're, if you're past a certain distance, there's always time to, to make up and, and to run your race and your plan. How much, so neither of us have done the furthest we've run is a 50 miler. So how much <laughs> of a 100 miler would you say is just completely mental? I think, uh, of, yeah, a big, a substantial percentage. And of course it's difficult to actually like put a mathematical equation on it, but, uh, I haven't read Dean Carnaz's new book yet. I, I plan to, but I had a friend who texted me this morning, just a little excerpt from it that I thought is beautiful and probably encapsulates kind of the, the spirit of your question. And that is that, um, let me just pull it up here so I don't get it wrong. It's something to the effect of, Yes, ultra running builds character. This is true, but it also reveals your character. Yeah. <laughs> and, and and so, you know, I think obviously there's a lot of physical training that needs to take place in order to get through something like this. But people who do have like a natural poise in in uh, in the face of adversity are rewarded for it. And one of the things that you notice if you pay attention to the sport um, and especially the kind of the professional end of the sport is that sometimes you see athletes who have tons of talent, you know, and just pedigree coming out their ears. But for whatever reason, when stuff gets hard, they give up on themselves or they find an excuse or they pull out of the race, whatever the case may be. But the more inspiring thing uh, that you often see is athletes who have talent or don't, uh, but the athletes that have talent who can have that poise in the face of inevitable inver- adversity are those that end up being the best in the world. I think so it, you don't necessarily have to be the best person in the race to win. And I think that's one of the other things that makes the sport uh, really, really cool. Poise is a, is a pretty word for it because <laughs> um, uh, I, I do think that's part of what's addictive, at least for me, what's addictive about ultra running and trail running in, in those situations is, is it, it really does let you get in touch with a part of, a part of you that is it's, it's wrestling with yourself and, and sometimes you lose to your brain. It's funny to think of them as two different things, but I, I do feel like you have a brain and then you have who you are kind of thing, your thought process. And, and I, I don't know what you would call the other part, but it argues with you out on the, um, out on the course. And when you win that argument, 
and you get through it, there's something so gratifying and addictive about it that I think that that is the lure for me to continue doing longer distances. A hundred percent. Couldn't agree more. So I know that you write training plans and that's part of your app. Um, do you offer or do you, do you yourself practice any sort of mental training? Yeah, 100%. And this is also something that we really stress as it relates to the services that we provide and just the overall philosophy that we have is that when I look back at my career, my best performances are never the ones that come after the biggest, most heroic training block when I'm theoretically at my fittest. It's always when I am definitely fit, but more so have like a sense of balance in my life and a sense of contentment with the direction that I'm going in my life. And I think that's not a coincidence, right? Like I really do... Uh, I mean, I guess I, I, this is one of the, the things that I preach the most, especially on my podcast, is I think that's even more important than the physical training itself is just having an overall sense of what we call emotional fitness, you know, poise in the, in the face of adversity. And uh, I guess the important thing that we uh, really want to sort of bring into athletes' mindsets is that this is also trainable in the same way that your physical fitness is trainable your emotional fitness is also something that's trainable. And so for, for me, um, the, the easiest way to describe it is, yeah, it's a, a very simple uh, daily practice, you know, and it's just like your physical training, this has to be something that is consistent. And, uh, you know, I do, I have a very solid meditation practice. Uh, sometimes, you know, it's only five minutes in the morning, but you know, try and get 20, 30 minutes at a time, sometimes even twice a day. And, you know, I think that pays big dividends just in terms of being, um, I guess, uh, this word I want to say is stoic, but just like a little less reactive, a little bit more uh, centered, a little bit more balanced. And it, when you do that over the course of weeks and months, you gain this sort of like positive momentum and it, it almost feels like you're building fitness, right? And so then when you pair that with your physical training and the natural fitness that comes and the improvement that comes uh, from compounding your physical training over the course of weeks and months, when you pair those two things together, I think that's when the, the real magic happens. And so with our app, we try and provide um, a lot of those sorts of tools, not only with meditation, but breath work. And then also, I think just another really important thing is community and having people to talk to and bounce ideas off of and, um, you know, somebody to turn to if you have something going on that is, you know, you need to kind of offload. Um, those sorts of things actually, I think, enhance your performance rather than just holding that in. And so, yeah, marrying the physical fitness and emotional fitness is something that I'm a huge believer in another one of those things that I could talk for days and weeks about, um, and something that we try and provide with our digital platform. I think at least for me, it's hard because when you go out and you do a run, you can see you're progressively getting faster with the daily meditation. <laughs> you don't get that like instant gratification. And so it ends up just like going by the wayside. 
you know, it, it's so funny. I'm sorry if I'm cutting you off, but no. I, I view it as so similar to training because like some days it just feels so freaking easy and you could sit there for hours and you're just in bliss, right? Just like you go out on a training run and you just feel heroic, you know, and you're just like, it's a mystery why you feel that way on that day, but it just it, is there. Other days when you like feel like you've had a great practice that you've like been building this quote unquote emotional fitness or whatever, you sit down for five minutes and you freaking just can't keep your eyes closed. You just like the thoughts just keep going. <laughs> yeah. And then you, you same, you know, you feel like you're super fit and you go out on a run for an hour and a half or whatever. And it's like, you're looking at your watch every five minutes or every five seconds. Like, when is this going to be over? Yeah. And you know, it's, that's part of the roller coaster of life. And, um, but I, I definitely am a, am a true believer in the fact that when you do, practice it for longer periods of time it does make a material difference in your life and if it's not then yeah what what's the point in doing it but um, I, I do but, think, i i think there's a mix though like because I, I meditate every day and and what, what i see what megan's saying in, in a little bit and i also see how you're seeing it. i think where the cross uh part is is i do think it is like some days you sit down and, and five minutes is going to feel like a 20 miler and some days it's going to feel like yeah. a, a, you know, 200. But, um, the difference is I think that the benefits that I've found from meditation don't come, aren't noticeable for like for a year. I, I was like, I'm going to do this. I'm, I kind of see some stuff happening, but it really did become kind of like an observer. And when I was talking about the two different minds earlier on the run, an observer of your own thoughts, um, that's when I started going, Oh, okay, I've got a muscle that's starting to develop here. It's not, a, it's not a huge bicep, but there's something that at least lets me step aside and not react immediately emotionally to a situation that lets me stop, recognize the thought, either let it pass or think more about it. But I have that choice, whereas before I was more reflex to my thoughts, which I guess I use it in running in a different way than I would use it in like having a conversation or or a business dealing it's it's a different thing but yeah i do think it's something that is so valuable that if people understood the benefit and that it just takes a long time it's like wearing in a pair of jeans or something uh you know they become your favorite jeans after a couple of years it's not <laughs> not out the bag yeah i don't know yeah yeah no i mean there's a reason why i mean this is not a new phenomenon in professional sport and even in kind of like now military application just anything that requires like super high performance if you can get that mental part out of your own way if you can get out of your own way you can unlock sort of your your greatest potential and again just to emphasize something i said earlier like it's yeah it's never when i'm training my hardest that I race my best It's when I'm training, training hard or whatever, but also just feel good about where I am in life and feel, um, yeah, like I have that emotional fitness thing kind of dialed as well. Cool. So this is sort of a random topic, but have you found that the pandemic has brought more people to the trails or less people to the trails? <laughs> so I think it's, it's definitely benefited the, outdoor industry as a whole obviously if you look at sales of running shoes and, and apparel they're probably through the roof 
And I know subjectively just from talking to people in the industry, that's the case. I'm actually at my office now and one of my neighbors is in the bike industry. And when the (laughs) pandemic started, we were talking and he was like sort of facing an existential problem, he thought. And then I talked to him three weeks later. He's like, we just had the biggest month of our history of our company. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you know, so I guess that's just definitely a silver lining with the the pandemic itself. Uh, And hopefully this does encourage more people to maintain that, uh, yeah, that fitness habit uh, or, yeah, that new behavior pattern as we start to emerge from it. And I know personally, um, yeah, it was a, a good year for me to sort of, yeah, reflect on uh, why I'm doing the things that I'm doing. And really that's where the, the app was born and it, and it gave me the time and energy to focus on things outside of my own personal training and really think about where my motivations truly lie in the future and where I want to be and what kind of impact I want to have beyond just like, you know, holding up trophies and, you know, racing and being sort of uh, obsessed with my own performance. It's really, for me, it's more about now uh, trying to push the sport into the next generation. And that's something that I only really realized with the lack of racing that, uh, you know, we all sort of uh, didn't get to experience this past year. And uh, I'm super eager to emerge from this this pandemic and get back to being a community again and gather and race and give each other hugs and things like that. But I think there will be some silver linings that we look back on and that'll be one of them. Absolutely. So you have an event coming up on May 9th. Tell us about that. Yeah. Yeah. So I'll be taking part again in the wings for life world run. Uh, This is an amazing event. I can't speak highly enough about it. Uh, It's an event that uh, is super unique in terms of its format, but also really special in terms of its mission. So I guess I'll take the second part of that first and talk about the mission. So the Wings for Life Foundation uh, was started, I think, in about 2004 uh, as a way to confront and battle uh, spinal cord injuries. And through that foundation, they've been able to raise millions and millions of dollars over the course of the last whatever that is, almost 17 years or so. And since 2014, they've been doing what they call the Wings for Life World Run. And so this is a a big part of their fundraising mission. And every dollar that's donated as part of your participation, so through your registration fee, Red Bull matches all that money. And that all goes to the Wings for Life Foundation to help find a cure for spinal cord injury. And uh, I've had the the good pleasure, uh, the great honor of being a Red Bull athlete now for four or five years. And it's through um, that connection that I got sort of, um, yeah, that I was brought into the loop on what the Wings for Life Foundation is and got connected with with the Wings for Life World World Run. And to speak about the format of the race, it's totally novel and it's super fun. And as you guys know, most of the times when we go to do a race, we know exactly how long we're going to be running. We know (laughs) uh, what distance the finish line is going to appear. And with Wings for Life, it's very much the opposite. You come to the start line not knowing how far you're going to run, unless you're like a brilliant PhD mathematician. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And so so, uh, basically the concept is – 
that there's a catcher car. And of course, now this is going to be a virtual event. But it, when uh, the events were taking place in person, basically you all start at the same time. And then the catcher car starts a short time after all the runners and then accelerates at a certain interval until the catcher car passes each and every runner. And when the catcher car passes you, then your race is over. You're done. And so, yeah. So remembering back a few years ago when I did it in Southern California, I was coming off a hundred mile race. I very much intended to just go out and have a fun kind of like 15 or 20 mile run, but I was so captivated by the, the energy and the mission of the, the race itself. I ended up running like 35 miles that wow. day before I finally got caught by the car. And um, yeah, so, so see, I see, I see myself doing a U-turn and I start running towards the car. <laughs> <laughs> well, you can do that too. And that's the, that's the, the beautiful thing about it is that, you know, it doesn't, it, it's not a race just for the people who want to be competitive and run further than anybody else. It's for people who want to experience sort of a fun running, um, event who also want to be part of this greater mission. And I think it's sort of unique, obviously, like a lot of races have sort of charitable uh, initiatives behind them. But this one is, is different. Like it's very much at the center of the core of why the event exists and the novel format. And the other thing that I think is, is unique and cool about it is that it happens simultaneously everywhere around the world at the same time. So, for example, I believe I have to double check this, but I believe on the west coast of the U.S. where I live, we'll be starting at four o'clock in the morning mm. on Sunday, May 9th. So that'll be 7 a.m. in on the east coast. It's like in the afternoon in Europe. It has like Seems probably like the east coast got the good end of that. Yeah, <laughs> but it's really cool. It's like you know, you you know that there's people in out Japan there doing, yeah. that yeah. are doing it at the exact same time that you are. And it's just like, I don't know. It's a phenomenal how's it, feeling. How's it work virtually so, this year? Like if there's not a car chasing you? Sure. So, yeah. So the, the virtual event thing has been uh, kind of all the rage over the last uh, 12 months or so. And uh, as somebody who's participated in them, I can say that the Wings for Life virtual event is, uh, yeah, is, is the best out there. So basically all you need to do is download the wings for life uh world run app you can find it in the the app stores very easy and free to download um and basically what happens is at 4 a.m if you live in the pacific time zone you start uh with the app and it's very obvious and intuitive as to how to use it and then if you run with headphones or earbuds Basically, you get an update about how much ground you've covered. So if you don't have a GPS watch, your phone will actually tell you how far you run. So it'll give you updates every kilometer, every mile. And then you'll also be getting updates about where the catcher car is. And of course, the catcher car is also virtual, but they've done a great job of gamifying it. And they have some really cool sort of special guests who are going to be uh, hosting the event in your earbuds as you run. And so, you know, it, it's just a really fun way. You can get together with your friends and training partners and, and go do it um, and be part of this amazing mission. Or you can go out on your own and have, you know, the gamification of these, these voices in your, your earbuds and try and outrun that catcher car for as long as you can. But yeah, just download the Wings for Life World Run app and, and then it's, it's easy and intuitive from there. That's awesome. 
Yeah, we might have to do that. Yeah, I, I might. <laughs> I'll crew you. <laughs> All right, um, Dylan. Before we get to end of podcast questions, is there anything you wanted to cover? That seemed like a that seemed like a good good uh, synopsis there. Okay, cool. So we have three questions that we ask at the end of every podcast. The first one is: okay. Are you wearing headphones or not wearing headphones out on a run? I usually am. Yes, I'm in a. I'm addicted to AirPods. <laughs> I actually had somebody send me a message about this today on Instagram saying, uh, "You you seem to wear AirPods a lot. Do, do you destroy them?" And the answer is yes. Unfortunately, I'm totally addicted to them. So I've blown through like five or six pairs of them now. But for my for my day job and for our our app project and stuff, uh, I spend a lot of time on the phone and AirPods are such a great product for that and I, I also use them i'm an avid podcast listener in addition to being a podcast host myself uh and uh so i i listen to tons of podcasts that while i'm running okay so that was going to be my next question is it podcasts or music but it's podcast 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 if no it was doubt. music we are starting a spotify list of our guests so is there one song that we, you would recommend that we add to our guest uh spotify list I would add Surprise Valley by Widespread Panic. All right. That, that's like the, 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 the song that you play when you're driving through the mountains in the summertime with your windows down, full blast. Yeah, Widespread Panic. There's, uh, we had a, na- had a neighbor that used to like follow them like the dead. <laughs> spread, spread heads. All right. Yeah, I've been to a bunch of shows myself. I got it. Yeah, their house always smelled weird. But. <laughs> <laughs> so true. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean. Okay. Uh, yeah. Um, what is your go-to post-race meal and or beverage? I uh, am a recent convert to uh, IPAs uh, since moving to, to Oregon. And unfortunately, the pandemic, is, especially early in the pandemic, I, I was, uh, yeah, having too many of them, um, or too, it was too, too, became too consistent, but yeah, I developed a, a little bit of a taste for the West coast IPAs. Um, and yeah, in terms of, in terms of food, I'm yeah. Also, I think this comes from my years of, uh, being a Bay area resident, but I probably eat at least one burrito almost every single day. So those are sort of my go-to. I'm down with both those answers. I, I, I can do it. Normally we get burger and stuff. I think there's some after you finish, at least a uh, longer distance seems to be a desire for fat and uh, grease and salt. So, yeah, but I think you can get all Definitely that. Definitely salty, salty, savory stuff. French fries. I mean, that yeah. might be my favorite food in the world. Can't go wrong with that either. Yeah. We have a, a 50 K out here that has French fries on the course. So, oh. Yeah. <laughs> brilliant yeah it's actually their their support stations are i I mean i i've run all over the place they're probably the best it's the hat 50k i don't know if you've ever heard of it it's at the susquehanna state park and the uh food it like there's everything there's pierogies there's a uh jambalaya at the finish like it is it is phenomenal and all that food's out on the course too yeah, well, just another plug for the the Ultra Trail Mount Fuji in Japan. If people can manage to make their way over there ever as a destination vacation race, it's also 
just like a, a moving buffet of delicious Japanese food. And, I'm there. I yeah, want to go to Japan so bad. And udon noodles and, yeah, just the most delicious Japanese fare out on the course. So, so it's like running from restaurant those are, to those restaurant. Those are the best events. <laughs> yeah, those are the best events, yeah. All right, that sounds awesome. Well, we really appreciate you coming on. We have one final question. Megan's going to make you answer one final question. I thought we got, got no, it. No, no. Oh, is this going to be the what you're going to do? If, if you, you weren't a, a professional runner, what would you be doing? I would be a sports talk radio host. You know, maybe a, just a sports podcaster. What's you your know, top I'm sport? One of those. Well, I mean, the thing I think is, uh, is I, I think the underserved market out there is people who love sports but don't get enough commentary on this sort of B-tier class of sports. So what I would love to do is, I mean, obviously I, I follow and love football and basketball and those sort of core four sports, but I also love like watching tennis and golf and cycling and triathlon and running and track and field. And there's so many cool just like subculture sports where – uh, I think there's a market for people who would love to, to sort of hear a little bit get more deeper. about. Well, th- that's yeah, the thing. Just, I'm, to go deeper. The Masters just happened, and there were people, Masters Sunday, pe- family shut down, children <laughs> lose fathers. It's, it's, a, it's a state. And I feel like if people could watch that, I would think watching a trail running like a 100-mile like Western states would be so much more fascinating. Like, that would be phenomenal. I think it's just a technology thing and being able to follow the runners on the course. But we're getting there with these tiny cameras. I don't know that 360, Insta 360 has like one you can wear on your shirt now that has, you know, high yep. quality. So, I mean, yeah, we should yeah, be there. Yeah, no, I, I think I, I agree 100%. Obviously, the Masters has their, uh, their media and, and digital strategy figured out. And there's a reason why. Uh, they do so well in the ratings is yeah they're, they're the coverage is phenomenal and uh, I think there's a lot for smaller sports like trail and ultra running to learn from these world-class events and obviously it's different you know when you're doing a 20-hour race I under I totally realize that it's not <laughs> necessarily that spectator friendly but I think if you package it in the right way and you tell the stories and in, in a in a classy and and uh, sort of interesting way um, yeah, the audience will come and lives will be changed in the process. I'm down for it. I'm yeah, ready. Me too. I'm all for it. All right. Yeah. Well, we really appreciate you coming on, Dylan. Yeah. We thanks are- for thanks for coming on. I super appreciate it. I really enjoyed the the conversation. Uh, it was super fun. Final check in. How's your run going? How's that confidence level? You're going to finish this run, and you're going to get back to the house. You're going to have your protein and you're rebuilding carbs, and you're going to feel great. And this run is probably going to help build some of that confidence. If you had a crummy run, put it aside, move forward, get ready for the next run. Dwelling on a bad workout or hanging your hat on a single performance isn't the way to go. Let it go when you get home and get ready for your next workout tomorrow. All right, hopefully you enjoyed our conversation with Dylan Bowman. We sure did. Check out our description for links to the Pillar app and the Pillar uh, training that he has, as well as Meg, the race. The Wings for Life World Run. You can go to wingsforlifeworldrun.com to sign up, and it's a super fun um, 
yeah, it sounds, virtual race and we we talked about it. Yeah, so. it sounds crazy. I think Robbie would do this one. Yeah, I mean, I would pound Red Bulls all day long, so sign me up. It's also not a distance race. You get chased down. Oh, that sounds fun. Yeah. So check it out. We want to say thank you to our producer, Nick Sanchez, and to all of you listening. Make sure that you subscribe. Tell your friends about the podcast, hopefully. If you want to write a review, that really helps as well. Um, anything else, Robbie? Nope, I think that's it. All right, and get your blood tested at Inside Tracker. Use Inside Tracker forward slash believe, and you get 25% off all Inside Tracker products. <laughs> <laughs>